Hey friends! Welcome back to another spring break cross post episode of Your Doctor Friends. We're going to bring on some other friends with us today. Actually, this is a friend that you've met before. I had the opportunity to be on our dear, dear friend, Laura Danger's podcast. Uh, it's called Time to Lean. It features Laura Danger and Crystal Britt. And the podcast delves into so many wonderful topics about domestic equity and creating equitable partnerships and communication. And it's just awesome and wonderful. And, and we love them so much. So um, come with us on this journey. So it'll be Julie and Laura on the Time to Lean podcast cross post today. Um, we're going to be talking about a lot of things. We're going to be talking about attachment styles. We're going to talk about walking. We're going to talk about talking. We're going to talk about friendship and creating safe spaces to vent and emote. Um, we talk about the importance of kind of baking in the goodness of exercise into your daily routine and maybe coupling it with other um, activities that bring us meaning in our lives, kind of like emoting and enjoying your friend. Um, so we'll talk about bitchy walks today. Um, and we're also going to talk about our obsession with Christina Ricci and Juliette Lewis. So please give it a listen. Um, Jeremy and I are still on a little bit of a spring break. Uh, we'll be back in June with new, fresh, hot content for y'all. Uh, in the meantime, we're going to be sharing some some other wonderful um, cross posts of episodes of podcasts that we love that we've been on. So enjoy, friends. We love you. We'll see you soon. Bye. Hi, welcome back to the Time to Lean podcast. This is Laura Danger. I do not have Crystal Britt with me today. Um, I have my buddy, Julie Bruni, Dr. Julie Bruni. We have been longtime friends, very longtime friends, and she is the co-host of an incredible podcast. So Julie, would you tell us a tiny bit or a lot about yourself? <laughs> Loaded question. Thank you, Laura. I am so honored to be on Time to Lean. This is so rad. Uh, I will do anything for you. Anything. <laughs> um, so as Laura mentioned, uh, I'm Julie Bruni. I'm a sports medicine physician, uh, in Chicago. Uh, Laura and I are kind of neighbors, which is great for me. Maybe not great for her, but great for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we've known each other for many, many years since our twenties, which I won't tell you how long ago was for me. <laughs> and, uh, I, as, as, uh, Laura mentioned, I have a podcast with my podcasting, uh, buddy, Jeremy Allen called your doctor friends, um, where we talk about kind of non garbagey information about health and wellness and medicine, um, from two doctors. So, um, I work at a big orthopedic group, uh, here in Chicago. Um, I take care of professional athletes and collegiate athletes, and I take care of everyday Joes and probably your mom. So literally, literally. <laughs> yes. Everybody's um, mom comes to me and I love it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, we've been friends for a long time. Um, and especially the last couple of years, I feel yeah. like throughout the pandemic, like you said, you're a neighbor, which is really helpful and fun. So um, part of what we're going to talk about today is Julie and I have talked about domestic labor and how it affects your health and friendship and connection and all of those things. And Julie, you recently had somebody on your podcast. Mm -hmm. Can you can you tell me what, what we were just talking about? Yeah. Um, so we were 
so incredibly fortunate to have the great Reagan Chastain. Reagan is a, a thought leader and a researcher and a patient advocate, um, and she works uh, mainly in the spheres of weight stigma and fat stigma in healthcare and medicine and healthcare delivery. She's unbelievably awesome. Um, Jeremy actually turned me on to her. She has a Substack that is unbelievably well written, and she also contributes to the Health at Every Size or H A E S. Um, uh, guidelines that you can find online, which are unreal and amazing and such a great resource. Um, and Jeremy turned me on to her. He actually turned me on to maintenance phase, which is like my podcast. I want to say mentors, but I think it, to, to be a mentor, they have to know that you exist, <laughs> <laughs> but like our idols, idols, I suppose. Yeah. Idols. Yeah. Um, and, uh, both Reagan Chastain and then, um, Aubrey Gordon and, and uh, Michael Hobbs talk a lot about weight stigma in, um, in the world, but particularly in healthcare and healthcare delivery. And with that long intro, um, Reagan really turned us on to talking about how how things are very different for people that are higher weight, and how my interpretation of that is that's the kind of the the last or the next uh, situation where people get to be outright dicks to each other and pretend like they're not being discriminatory in their practice and uh, and and being unkind and inhumane um, because we take it as at least as healthcare providers as physicians as well you know if you wanted to be thinner you could just try harder and if you listen to the episode that we had with Reagan um, you will understand very quickly why that is not the case. Um, and she gives some really great data to back it up. And she's a wonderful public speaker and has spoken in huge groups, especially to physicians and healthcare providers. So she really knows her shit. And it was very apparent. And <laughs> I was very just like in awe the whole time. But one, th one of the things that she talked about was that um, there are so many different health markers that have a stronger correlation to uh, people's long-term health and well-being and, and reducing their health risks, including of all-cause mortality. That are not weight, that are not how much you weigh or what your BMI is. And BMI is a, is a very flawed and, um, uh, and misleading uh, measurement. And we can <clears throat> talk about that or you can listen to the podcast about it. But um, she was talking about, and the research that, that Reagan and me and Jeremy are, are trying to play with and maybe create soon is how can we create a new paradigm where healthcare providers, when you go to your doctor to talk about, hey, I'm here. I'm doing my checkup. It's not just like, um, you're fat or you should go lose weight. And then there's really nothing else that you talked about. And it's like, how, how can we, um, look into other, other healthcare variables, other things, other lifestyle choices, if you want to use those words, um, that have a much higher correlation to health, like real health. Mm -hmm. And so it's mm -hmm. things like personal connection. It's things like, you know, there was a study, I could look it up, but I know it off the top of my head, um, looking at that uh, people that have strong connections, either friendships or family, um, that's a, a better predictor of uh, reductions in all-cause mortality as, as opposed to people that are smokers. So we always think of like, oh, smoking's so bad for you. But like, you have a higher likelihood of surviving longer and having a healthier life if you just control the variable of how not isolated you are. And I think yeah. we can all relate to that. So the other one that she was talking about um, was engaging in what um, we call pleasurable movement, um, which really means, you know, for, for, for me and for like a, you know, a sports medicine physician, it's like, how much do you exercise? How much do you move? And, and I think there's, that's a loaded question because certainly, you know, how much you move and how much you exercise probably is a stronger predictor for how healthy you're going to be 
irrespective of what your weight is. I don't care how what number you walk around at if you are walking around or if you're able to mm -hmm. scoot around or roll around or swim or whatever the hell you like to do. And Reagan's thing was, you know, she likes to the people that she advocates for because she's a certified patient advocate as well um like just what what is the thing you you hate the least because you have to have a little bit of empathy for some of these folks have really um bad breakups with exercise because mm. they probably were forced to exercise or they forced themselves to exercise um as a punishment for their weight or for all the bullying and stigma that they got about their weight mm. so the the concept of exercise and like doing it because you have to do it i think a lot of us may, may feel that way too of like oh, i want to go run Blah. i'm gonna be all sweaty and gross and then i have to like wash myself and I have to like carve out time for it and maybe it isn't a, a pleasurable movement for me so her whole concept was anything that you really don't hate doing do that for, you know, even brief times throughout the day, especially after you eat, because then it helps sort of blunt your blood sugar spikes, which can be really helpful for uh, maintaining metabolic health. And I just thought that was so cool. And that explanation is, is these are things that I just don't think of, but then I kind of do like, I've kind of always been a thin enough person, but I also remember like I had an eating disorder when I was like 12, 13 years old and exercise is like something I have a weird relationship with because mm -hmm. it did seem like something I was doing to punish myself or to something to have specific control over because I felt so con out of control about my emotional well-being. <clears throat> and so I just I think it's to even to say things like have a physician say like, well, you should exercise more. And, and the, you know, American College of Sports Medicine says you should exercise 150 minutes a week and you should be in these target um, heart rate zones and all that I think is great for a lot of people and a lot of people can can be okay with that but I think you have to have a measure of empathy of like maybe that recommendation kind of sucks and if you can just break it down to something that's a bit more palatable like what do you like doing um, and and I think what we're, you're leading into Laura and I've, after I've rambled for a really long time is pleasurable exercise for me tends to be a lot of walking and, and I think because walking, I can do other stuff at the same time, in, including engage in conversation with a really good friend, um, or I can listen to a podcast or I can, uh, learn something. And I think mm -hmm. even for me as someone who has, was more recently diagnosed with ADHD, I know Crystal brings this up and I know you bring it up uh, sometimes, you know, in your social media, Laura. So I hope I'm not outing anybody here except for myself, um, that, I feel like I need to have my body doing something so that my brain can focus a little bit oh, sometimes yeah. too. Yeah. So I really feel like when you and I um, do our walks together, which I'll let you get into what we call those and what, what those are all about, <laughs> um, it I feel like it ticks off a lot of boxes for me. It's it's okay, I get to engage in pleasurable movement. So I'm moving, it's helping my body. I feel like I'm moving my joints. I feel like I'm moving my body and doing things that like make the physical part of me feel good. And then I get to engage in a safe place where I get to vent and bitch and piss and moan to my best friend who is there and supportive and listening because maybe not everybody has that outlet. They don't, maybe they don't have a therapist. Maybe they don't have a, you know, a sibling or, or, a, or a friend that they can really do that with. So I really, I think it's, it's extremely important to, to create that connection with people and then foster it in a way that is fun for both of us, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm, I feel the same, especially like what you were talking about with having to move my body in order to get information into my brain. Yeah. Like if I'm not, if I really want to do something, I can like put an audio book in and then move around. That's mm -hmm. very helpful to me. Um, but I also have a really interesting relationship with 
exercise and I love to walk. Um, mm-hmm. And so for the listeners, over the last couple of years, Julie and I will get together oftentimes on a Thursday. It hasn't been happening for a couple months, um, but we'll get together and walk for like three hours. Yeah. <laughs> we'll do like miles and miles and miles. And usually, you know, we'll do a loop and then we'll get to a certain point and we'll be like one more loop, two more uh-huh. loops. Like how many loops are we going to do? <laughs> um, and I completely agree about like it ticks off the boxes of connecting with somebody. There's something about like being out in the fresh air and mm-hmm. walking and you're not necessarily, I'm not great with eye contact, like it, especially with intimate conversations. It's a lot. So I love that we just like look forward and move or we can like ADHD brain, like there's a squirrel, look at this flower. It's <laughs> dog. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's so great. Um, but this is this is another key to the whole fair play domestic labor relationship thing. Intimate relationships with other people matter. Mm-hmm. But there's this weird social understanding where we protect rela- like a marriage matters. Mm-hmm. And we're like marriage at all costs, like stick it out. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if this this is probably the same research you're citing. Um, good relationships yeah. are helpful. Yes. Bad relationships, unhealthy relationships, not helpful. Right. Just right. being married, just like having a really uh, dysfunctional relationship is not good for you. Yeah. And I think that it, it your, your points are amazing. Uh, yeah. And I think that there's this in loss of the continuous investment in it that is necessary, just like it is for any other relationship. Like, just because Laura, like I didn't promise you 15 years ago that I would support you in sickness and in health, <laughs> doesn't mean I'm not going to keep doing that because you're my friend and I give a shit about you and we support each other and we've created this foundation of uh, of mutual respect and love. Um, I didn't have to like go in front of my family and say that. But I think <clears throat> the opposite sometimes exists when you're talking about your domestic partnership, especially if it's like you know, like a legal or a religious marriage is like, because I made those vows and because I, you know, I made this promise in front of everybody, I just need to like put up with badness all the time or I need, or, or that was like where my duty ends that I made the promise and I said that I was going to do it and I did the thing and I put on the the clothes and we clinked the clinks and we kissed. And now, now that was all I really needed to do. And I think that you need to look at the parallels in your regular life, your your non-spousal life to say like, would I treat my best friend like this? Right. <laughs> or if I did, would they that person think I'm a piece of shit and not want to talk to me for a long time? Right. Like a commitment isn't necessarily the end goal. Like the yeah. the ceremony is not to have a marriage is not to actually exist or maintain or participate in a marriage. Right. And so I want to I want to bring this back to what you said about mm. the pleasurable movement. Yes. Because like okay, here's here's why I talk about capitalism and patriarchy. Yes. Um, <laughs> we're so obsessed with the outcome. So mm-hmm. like to be thin or to be muscular, like that is oftentimes that's like the relationship, right, that we mm-hmm. have with food or movement instead of actually enjoying the movement. Right. Like the walk and talk is the point. I don't, I don't meet up with you because I want to have a friendship. I get together with you because the friendship 
is fun and yes. brings me something like the the interaction of it yeah, it's an I agree. O- ongoing thing it is it is the pleasurable movement it's so funny because those words to me are just like hilarious because pleasurable makes me think of sex things and movement yeah. makes me think of pooping so i <laughs> <laughs> but i, I completely poop. agree like yeah it's a whole different <laughs> podcast but no, I agree with you. I think it's like, this is the, this is the reason why we're doing it. I'm not, we could be doing anything. We could be farting around in your, in your basement. I don't mm-hmm. care. But, but I think it's nice that we've chosen to like do a thing that is mutually beneficial to both of us. It's like, yeah, we both like being outside. We both like getting fresh air. We like being away from our normal environments of work and home. We like to be able to point out someone's cool pants as they walk by and be like, oh, those mm-hmm. pants are cool. You know, like we like to nourish our ADHD-ish brains to be like, okay, this is a safe place where I can be squirrel and it's great. And, um, and it, yeah, the, the whole point is, is the whole exercise is the exercise, you know? And I even just, I don't like the term exercise. And I also feel like when I bring up with patients about like in the office of, you know, cause part of my job is to like, is counseling people about how they move and how they want to move better. And I mean, I, I take care of a lot of people that have arthritis and other types of painful or disabling conditions that make it hard for them to move. So my job is to try to find creative ways so that they can feel comfortable doing that because I know that there is such great mental and physical benefit to it. And, um, but sometimes I feel like a big dumb dummy who doesn't understand their life. And I'm like, just go outside and walk around. And I'm like, um, I live in a neighborhood. I don't want to walk around by myself, you know? So then you have to get really creative or you have to, or you have to shut up as the, as the physician and just say like, what do you think you would want to do? What do you think is mm-hmm. actually like accessible or how can I find, help you find in your community ways to get out and move that feel not scary? Not, and not even just right. not scary emotionally. Cause like, ugh, sometimes that is scary. Like think about like going to a yoga class for the first time and how that can be oh, dysregulating yeah. and kind of, I don't know, I don't know anybody there and I don't know the rules. And what if I do a wrong thing? And what if I toot? And what if I, you know, like, what if I don't like this or I look bad or I fall down or my body hurts and I feel like I'm trapped, you know, imagine that. But then it's like, what if it's not terribly safe for me to even like leave my house? And yeah. I just, I, I try to have empathy for that because it's not the world that I live in. Like you and I can walk around our neighborhood for three hours and I feel perfectly safe. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe that's a Pollyanna in me a little bit, but I think that we, you know, keep our head in a swivel and yeah. go to areas that are safe enough during the middle of the day or whatever. But it is so funny. I have like older, um, I don't say like older people, but like older people that live in the suburbs that, that when I talk about like, oh, I'm on a walk right now, they're like, oh, get back in your house. You're going to get shot. <laughs> it's like not all of Chicago. Um, and and hopefully not you know in 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 the not too distant future maybe maybe a different Chicago coming yes. up pretty soon. Yeah. It is really important that we have neighborhoods that yes. have resources. Even mm-hmm. even I think about this all of the time. I want to be able to walk at night, mm-hmm. and I like I go to Wicker Park on my like Thursday or whatever evening I can find a babysitter, I'll go to neighborhoods that are well lit and well populated yeah. and I will walk up and down the strip Be- and it, and it's a good piece of exercise for me and I get to see people and I get to feel like a part of my community and I go to the bookstore and there mm-hmm. are libraries and like that is improving my quality of life. Yep. And every neighborhood should have that. Absolutely. That's the point of living in a, like, 
living in a city is being able to take in the sights and the smells and the sounds. Although a lot of the times when I'm walking around, I, I put my AirPods yeah. in, even if they're yeah. just on noise cancellation, yeah. which is probably yeah. not safe, but sometimes it's a little overstimulating. But like, it's like the jokes that people make about living in the suburbs. It's like, well, you know, got to walk over to the big box store that you can't really even walk to because everything is 23 miles away from everything else. But then, it, you know, you have a, a you know, uh, there's a positive for having just big wide open spaces too. But I agree with you. I think it's sometimes I forget how entitled and privileged and fortunate I am. And, um, it is, it's nice sometimes to like sit back and be like, Holy shit, this is what I, the, the, the rights and privileges that I'm afforded are pretty good. And let's, let's try to make that a little bit more accessible for other people if we can. Yeah, which we can. Absolutely. Um, okay. I wanted to bring up something that I was reading recently. I was thinking of yeah. you. I'm going to have to get you a copy. Um, my therapist recommended that I read this book called Platonic. Okay. Uh, I hope I'm saying her first name correctly, but Dr. Marissa G. Franco or Marisa cool. G. Franco. And it's about, it's about friendship. It's about platonic love and intimacy and the ways that you can learn about yourself in order to connect better with other people. And I found it really interesting because, you know, we talk about things like attachment style and like how we interact in our platonic relate, or I'm sorry, in our romantic relationships. Because if you look at a hierarchy of like what we see as the best kind of love, mm -hmm. we measure romantic love as like the only kind you can have if you're the not bestest married. bestest one. Yeah. Yes. Like, and, and I think that that actually drives people, like we said earlier, like to stay committed to those relationships, even when they're harmful or unhealthy. And in platonic, uh, I found it really interesting. She talks about, have you ever, have you ever thought about your attachment style? I have, but I've never really delved into it with like a therapist. Maybe I should. I just got a new <laughs> therapist uh -huh. or we did. Um, yeah who I think is like real big on that. So I have a, we have a session tonight. I might just be like, yo, Candace, what do you think about attachment styles? Cause yeah, I've never, no, I mean, I know that they exist. I, I don't feel terribly well educated in them, which is probably stupid because I'm sure that's where the root of all of my problems lie. <laughs> well, you know, I hadn't been, I was not aware of it either. And thank mm. you again to my therapist who gave me this awesome book. Um, but something that I picked up from it. So I, I'm not the expert on this. But there, are, she gives actual examples of what these attachment styles look like in practice. Mm -hmm. And I know that for me and the work that I do working with couples and individuals with like domestic care, mm -hmm. there's this avoidant. She gives, she gives this example of avoidant attachment and okay. a little bit kind of talks about people who like will just sort of brush over it, like try to solve the problem on the surface. And if they are having a challenge or like feeling rejected by something, we'll just like separate. Yeah. Um, and I definitely do that where I'm just like, mm, too much work done. And I also, yeah. <laughs> I also equate that a little bit to my ADHD brain, yeah. which is like, this is too hard. Mm, no rage quit Bye. Mm -mm. done. Can't do it. Yep. But I thought it was, I thought it was really interesting to inform the way that I communicate with other people and within my own partnership, mm -hmm. 
But I loved that it was framed that it also happens in in friendship. Oh, 100%. 100%. Sorry, I don't want to cut you off there, but yeah. I had a thought. Um, yeah, and 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 I do think that my communication style sometimes can be like that, but for the most part, it's not. It's very much like, we're good? Good, right? Yeah. Good? Everything's fine? We're good? Hugs? I don't yeah. know. Tell me that I'm okay. Tell me that we're okay. And I'll tell you, like, <clears throat> some of the closest relationships I have are, I think, with people that have... I mean, I'm sure everybody's on a spectrum of like, not, you're not just avoidant only or whatever only of your attachment style or your communication style. Yeah. But I feel like I tend to gravitate towards people that do have that more like, I don't know, or more like stoicism or whatever you would call sure. it. And it's both very comforting and very scary to me. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. why do I like that? Like, my husband Adam is, kind of communicates that way. I think you do quite a bit. And I don't find it, but I don't find it scary with you guys because I feel like there's there's such an understanding of like, we've built so much foundation together that I'm not worried that you're like secretly seething right. and like right. resenting my ass, you know, but like there's other, there's other people that I interact with that I, I do always like have a little bit of like, we're, you're not, you're not, you're not mad. Right. You know? Right. <laughs> like, Cause I equate, right. I equate silence sometimes with anger or with like displeasure. Yes. And, and it's so hard for me to, uh, advocate for myself to not feel like I'm being the weird needy one who's like, are we, is everything okay? You know, but then also being like, you can just ask that. And the, if the answer is yes, then great. And if it's no, then cool. You can, you can squash that beef and then it's better, but it does take a long time or it has taken a long time for me to understand that. But it is weird. Cause it seems like my closest relationships are people that have avoided attachment styles. Yeah. Yeah. I, I am definitely, I teeter between the two. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, it depends on who I'm with. But what I also appreciated about this book was that yes. she talks about the types of anxious or avoidant and then, you know, both of them at the same time. Um, but she talks about secure attachment. And I think that's what you're talking about. Like mm -hmm. I have, you know, with you and several of my other friends where I fall off, I'll fall off for like three months and then it's just because I'm focused on other things and then I pick right back up. Yeah. Um, and that is part of security is knowing like we can have conflict, we can step back, we trust that um, there are good intentions. You learn over time that there is a reliable thing. Yeah. This, this is what was so like eye-opening for me, reading this book, thinking about friendship and relationships. When people come to me about domestic labor, a lot of times they're like, I keep coming to my partner and they keep on avoiding the conflict yeah. or trying to get the conflict to go away. And just like secure attachment is like repeated trust, like knowing that this is a reliable and safe relationship. The opposite is true yeah. when you keep coming to someone and they brush you off. Yeah. And so that's the part where it's like, it's not just the dishes. It's not just the cooking. It's not like, that's where the lack of emotional intimacy comes in. And mm -hmm. by the time someone's finding me, they are already like walls up. They're like, yeah. this is, I'm already feeling anxious as hell, or I'm avoiding this. And the other partner's feeling some way too. Like, I don't want to say it's just one way. No. Um, but if anybody's interested in reading this book, I did find it very helpful and insightful. Oh, I love that. I'm going to pick it up for sure. Because again, th those are, I love 
learning these things and it's like I'm almost or I'm coming up on 40 and I feel like I thought I knew a lot of things and it's like I don't really know jack shit and I'm so oh, no, excited we're big to dumb <laughs> Yeah, I'm so excited to like open my mind and I think it's because I've been on such a track of like go to college, go to med school, do your residency, do your fellowship. Now work for 10 years and just grind 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 and now now you're a sophomore. And it's like, wait, I get to like pick my electives now. Like this is yeah. fun. And now my electives are things that really seem to matter for me for the rest of my life. Because guess what doesn't matter? I don't know, being hot. (laughs) (laughs) Or like partying. Or uh, giving a shit about if everybody else thinks you're cool. No one's thinking about you most of the time. They're not. And that's to me, that's very freeing. um, Because usually my big concern was everybody thinks about you constantly and they hate your guts and you're annoying. (laughs) Sounds like anxious uh, attachment. (laughs) Damn it! (laughs) Um... I I have to go off track for a second because it made me laugh. Do you watch Yellow Jackets? I saw season one. Okay. Well, you, it still it doesn't spoil anything. You know Misty, Christina Ricci's character? Oh, yeah, yeah. You correct your glasses just like Misty does. Okay. <laughs> it's so cute. It's so, it's so beautiful 90s Christina Ricci. That's just you in a nutshell, oh, Laura. I idolized her. You know what's so funny yeah. that you bring that up? Mm-hmm. My username, that darn chat. Yes. Is a play on That Darn Cat, cat because of her Christina Ricci version of the movie That Darn Cat. Oh my god. I thought you were using I thought you were using for cat you were using chat because that's the French oh. version of cat. Yes, yes. A little bit that. I it was just a yes. But it <laughs> came from I loved I wanted to be Christina Ricci. She's so cool. I still and do. I love Yeah. I think it's funny that they have Christina Ricci and Juliette Lewis seemingly in the same like <sighs> Fear. They are. Yes. It's funny, but like I don't think of them as. I think Christina Ricci is us, and Juliette Lewis is Gen X people. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <clears throat> I could see that. Very interesting. Um, I totally derailed everything. I, I really want to. <laughs> I love when you give me book recommendations because there's something about my brain that is like the opposite of how I feel comfortable, like going on a walk with you and learning things that way. Like the concept of like picking up a book and read it. Like, our friend Derek gave me Feminism for the 99%, which is literally like a 70-page book. Like, a like a I could read it in an hour. I've had that thing. I've read it. I've read two-thirds of it for, um, I don't know, five months because I cannot get myself to read books. Like, I don't know if it's just my brain is like, no, boring, go do something else. Or TikTok has rotted my brain because yes. it's not given to me in little, like, 30-second chunks. But I love, but I also, you know, solution, get an audio book, listen yes. to it. While you're walking around yes. or while you're doing dumb crap at home that has to be done because life is life. Yes. No, that's exactly how I do it. And if I don't immediately, like if I don't click with the, the reader or I don't get into it immediately, I will not. I, I have a really hard time finishing it. Yeah. But this was this was very uh, accessible. So I Good. do highly recommend it. And to your point, like sometimes I don't actually want to read it. I just want to hear someone else filter it through yes like i want you to tell me about it i don't want to read it <laughs> yes 100 percent. that's kind of how i get a lot of my information is like ooh, what's laura what's laura's gonna give me like the distilled version of what i should learn from this but also like that's just the the capstone of it like there is so much talk about another pleasurable activity i mean i think i think a lot of us maybe not everybody but i think a lot of people can think of a time when they were like consumed by a book and maybe oh, it was yeah. like Harry Potter when you know, when you were in 
middle school or whatever. Yeah. I don't know how old people are and when that came out. But, like, <clears throat> there are definitely times that I can, like, look back and think of, like, man, when I just escaped into this yes. different world. And and I think that as I'm getting older and that I'm understanding what I really need, um, that, that, that the forms of escapism that I utilized for a long time that were not healthy and not sustainable are out. And in is things like bitchy walks. We haven't told anybody what they were called, Laura, oh, yeah, the whole time. Yeah. They're called bitchy walks. Yeah. We even have a trademark next to it because I know how to do that as, as an emoji. What does bitchy walk mean to you? It means kind of what we said. It means uh, a time that I get like excited about. Like when it's like when we planned it like three days before the week before, I'm like, hey, we doing Thursday. You want to do a bitchy walk? I'm like, <laughs> it's probably the same way that like, um, you know, like older generation people go about like, you want to go golf together? It's like they don't yeah. care about golfing. They don't give right. a shit about smacking a ball around they want to walk around and talk to their friends and bitch about things and mm-hmm. uh, and have a safe space to 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 be out in nature smell stuff vent you know have laughs have jokes with their friends um it's almost like it's a lot of shows that i watch about anyway, did you ever watch did you watch shrinking uh no the new one that came out it's good it's with uh, jason siegel and harrison ford it's about therapy it's really good it's on apple tv anyway any i feel like any show that takes place in los angeles that involves any man over the age of 35 there's cuts of them like hiking in like the la hills i feel like that's like that's bitchy walks for people of that age it's just like get around it's sewing circles it's it's women be talking you know like and and it's safe and it's fun and it's no one's up in your business. Mm-hmm. No one's calling you. If someone's calling you, you can ignore it for a while. You can take your phone off or your wristwatch or whatever the hell, the chip out of your brain and just have time. It's kind of a little bit of my unicorn space, to be honest with you, Laura, <laughs> which probably doesn't count as unicorn space, but it really kind of is because it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a thought dump to someone mm-hmm. who is safe and accepting and, um, and reciprocal. Yeah. No, I, I feel completely the same. And didn't it come from that one like meme where it was like, uh, oh, yeah, <laughs> out doing my, uh, doing my stupid, uh, stupid walk for my stupid mental health. It, it was a combination. <laughs> it's a combination of that, and it was like, you know, during COVID times, um, yeah. when we're still very, very much distancing. Um, <laughs> it was like Victorian era meeting up with your and and walking around the the promenade or whatever yeah. the hell <laughs> <laughs> with parasols. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, and that's that's the other piece of it is that it does, you know, it does feel like a safe activity because it's outside. And if you are, you know, very, very COVID conscious or mm-hmm. and it's very accessible that way. But the other piece I wanted to maybe we can leave on this note sure. is it's accessible when you have the time. And we've kind of fallen off because both of us have gotten very busy. But we stay. How do we stay connected? Really? <gasps> we stay connected in a lot of different ways. We're very, for old people, myself included, you yes. not included, uh, very tech savvy. We do a lot of Marco Polo, which mm-hmm. you turned me on to, which is great, which is I think is great also for, for folks that are neurodivergent and want to communicate asynchronously so you don't feel like you're bothering somebody, but you can leave <sighs> yes. like a very fun audio visual, like I can just go. Some people hate it. My my bestie at work and my coworker, Megan, is like, I could never do that because I can't look at myself talking. Oh, yeah. Because it's just too distracting and weird. And, like, I think I do. I, I usually rewatch my Marco Polos, and I'm all, always, like, fixing my hair or, like, doing a thing. <laughs> um, so Marco Polo. Um, I don't know. What else do we do? We text. 
context, and, but I, I do love Marco Polo and I yeah. do love that it's like you said, like asynchronous and I will often be like zoned out or not even looking at myself. But mm -hmm. for me, I like to be able to see someone's mouth move when they're talking. Yeah. I have like when I am, when I have AirPods in and I'm talking mm -hmm. to someone even on the phone, like I can't imagine them. It's like I black yeah. out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I know. So I really like, I really like Marco Polo for a lot of reasons. It's very accessible. Or and you send me TikToks yeah. and I just send yeah. you TikToks. And that yeah. is also like a nice little connection. And then you get to laugh at it and be like, I'm thinking of you. Yes. So really and TikTok does a really good job of like being able to like in your messages that you can like reply specifically to that video and be like, ah, that person's pants were really awesome, you know, or like, yeah. you know, it's funny I've, as I've made Marco Polo spill into my other relationships, you know, that me and Jeremy Marco Polo now. Oh, really? And he does it. He does it like for me. Like it's a gift. Aww. And he's like, all right, I'm going to do this because it's fun. And I know that you enjoy it. And so especially like no one likes that text of like, hey, can we talk? And you're like, no, Ugh. that means bad. Like, I'm yeah. going to go have diarrhea for an hour thinking about <laughs> it. But like you can Marco Polo somebody, you can just get your thoughts out and then they can they can they can watch it. They could rewatch it if they didn't catch everything that they said. And it's just it's just safe and easy. And I think that we have to become really smart about how we communicate with each other because um, because we live in this just digital age of you yeah. can do everything all the time. And so that can be very overwhelming. So I don't know. I love that you turned me on to that. And so my point is, is that I've it's it's expanding in my sphere of influence and all of my friends, my doctor yeah. friends, my, my Jeremy, doctor my doctor friends. friend. <laughs> OK, awesome. All right. Super fun. <clears throat> Super fun catching up with you. This is our bitchy walk for the day. I know. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go for a walk else. after this by myself so that I can <laughs> yes. like asynchronously do that too. I love it. <laughs> um, okay. So I, I, the biggest takeaway is connect, yep. connect, let yourself and move connect. if you want to, if it's pleasurable. So if you connect and move at the same time, it's Ooh. like, it's like knocking off two things off your to-do list at the same time, which is money. Love it. Okay. Um, where can we find you and your podcast? Yeah. So we're on all the major platforms of it's your doctor friends. Like if you were going to call or text your doctor friend and then on Instagram is the main social media platform they use. I think Jeremy has Twitter, but it's uh, your underscore doctor underscore friends. Um, and I would love to hear from everybody. Send us your questions. We love answering them. We have really great experts on Laura's been on and will probably be on in perpetuity. So if <laughs> and you like, I send if you, you lots of questions too. Yes, you do. And they're really good. And we'll probably, we're going to have to have Crystal on too. Oh yeah. Good. Oh Yeah. Absolutely. Awesome. All right, everybody, like and subscribe and all that stuff everybody says at the end of podcasts. Yeah. Have a good one.